it is my privilege and honor to introduce to you our guest speaker. He is the president and founder of Life Promotions, and he is uh, the founder and visionary of Dignity Revolution, which is a movement that has gone throughout our nation. It's designed to bring hope and dignity into our school systems so that they may know the principles the principles of dignity and they're found in God's word. That's a beautiful thing when you're dealing with school school districts because oftentimes you're limited on what you can say, but God has been moving in our speaker's life. For 40 years, he and his wife, his lovely wife, Kara, have been ministering. They have a beautiful family. And as they've ministered, their ministry has grown to the point that he speaks throughout the world and he speaks to over 500,000 persons a year many of them under the age of 18. If you know anything about speaking to a crowd under the age of 18, you know, yeah, come on, give them a hand. Would you help me welcome Mr. Bob Lenz? The first service, um, I had Pastor Chris pray for me but I just really feel something this morning. Um, first coming in this morning was fantastic because uh, he had his hat on. And that made him taller than me. <laughs> yeah, but you, you got to get ahead. That's how we got to pray for him this morning. I don't usually. Let me, let me, let me, let me look. Any real Texan knows you don't wear it in, in the house of, of God. But I want you to see that I am taller than <laughs> Hey, keep it on, honestly. Put it on as a covering right as now. A covering. Okay. And I want to pray right now, and here's why. Um, I don't usually say this, but the message I'm going to give today, um, we, believe it or not, I feel like we know each other for a long time. We went out last night um, with uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Melissa, and we uh, went out with um, Steve and Laura last night. And, you know, I like Texas for a lot of reasons, but last night we had fajitas. <laughs> And, uh, praise God. Um, but I felt like we were with friends that we've known for 20 years. But it's because of the father heart of God in this man that we met. And it was like this right when we met. And the message today, let me tell you, you know the state of America. You know the state of brokenness that even many of us are struggling with right now. And this man is it believes in this message and has trusted me today to come and churches don't give up their Sunday mornings much and he's willing to and I believe this message is not just for his family but the cool thing is to watch first time here and I feel like family already with all you I love the sign up here just to feel the acceptance the love that's here but watching his own kids up on stage the Bible says as the anointing comes down on Aaron, it'll drip like oil off his beard to the whole body. I am praying that what this man has lived and from his grandfather to his father, to him, and now to his kids will go to you and to your kids. And a lot of you this morning that have, have a fear. 
A lot of you are sitting here going, God, why aren't my kids serving God like his family? Don't stop believing. Don't stop asking for that breakthrough. And this morning, I believe that God is going to do something today to make this spirit, this blessing, this favor from generation to generation. So I'm going to ask you to put up your hand and pray over Pastor Chris with me for a blessing for him, for his family, but then for this church and for you that it will come back as seeds to go forth with power and might. So the Holy Spirit, I'm asking right now, Father God, you're a good, good father. And Father, I know that this man has a heart after you. He's not perfect. He's a, he's a fallen sinner like the rest of us, but he has surrendered to you. So I pray like the oil of that was on on Aaron, which has come down off of him, Lord God, and go to his family, and to generation after generation, and we thank you for his grandfather and his father, and I pray that he would stand in as a father to many who don't have fathers, that he would show the father heart of God, and I pray for the blessings on this church in the name of Jesus, that it would go to, and pray for this message today, that it would not just be a sermon, but it would be a part of the unction of the Holy Spirit to move in this church. Lord, you have started a good work here and you're doing it, but we want more, Lord God. We want more of you. We ask for the blessing of fatherhood in the name of Jesus to break. And even on Juneteenth here, that you broke bondage of slavery, break the bondage of slavery in our own life to sin. And I pray that you would reach many, many would come to know the fatherhood of God because of this blessing. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Thanks, Amen. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, too. I wore my hat and boots for you. All right, let's go. Oh, man. Good to be in the house of God. All right. It is so good to be here. In the introduction, thank you very much for the introduction, Pastor Chris. It reminded me of a guy, and and it was similar, but it it was added. And I'm just going to read a friend of mine who knew me for 25 years. Um, introduced me this way when we were in Colorado. He said, today we have with us Bob Lentz. Bob speaks over half a million students a year. He's the author of six books, one called The Dignity Revolution, another one called Grace, which are out in the lobby today. He has spoken in all 50 states and 30 countries. He started Life Fest, one of the, the nation's largest Christian festival in Oshkosh, Bagosh, Wisconsin, and now has one in Nashville, Tennessee. He's also the, the movement and leader of The Dignity Revolution. But then he stopped and goes, but I knew Bob when he was still speaking to junior high kids. Would you please welcome Bob Lentz? And I didn't know what to do because I'm still speaking to junior high students. I, I think he was trying to be nice. I think he was trying to say, Bob's gotten a little better. We can trust Bob with a real audience now. Adults. No, don't get me wrong. I don't mind speaking to adults much, <laughs> but I still speak to junior high students. And people said, Bob, if you've been, seriously, this is my 40th year of ministry, right? 40. No. Don't, don't clap for that. When it was 30, I felt like an expert. When I'm 40, I just feel old. <laughs> my wife and I, Carol and I, we're talking not just from book, but, but from real life. My wife and I have five children, right? Four of them are married, and we have 14 grandchildren. 14 grandchildren. And so our heart for the next generation is this. I still speak to junior high students. We still do 100 public schools a year. 
a hundred public school called Dignity Revolution. And now we're raised up. We have five. We're trying to get 25 other speakers to go into the schools and win America back for the values that we believe in and that we stand for. That's what we got to do again. But people ask me, Bob, why do you speak to junior high students? Here's why. It's in the Bible. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20 says this. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and I will be with you even to the end of the earth. That's called the Great, the great Commission. Can I point something out? That's the great commission, not the great suggestion. That's not a suggestion. That's what we're supposed to be about. If you call yourself a believer today, you call yourself a child of God, a follower of Jesus, that's what Christians are supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about the great commission. I was a youth pastor for seven years before I went on the road full time. And it was one Friday night, and one of my students, a high school football guy, he calls up late on a Friday night, and he goes, Pastor Bob, Pastor Bob, you got to come over. I have a friend here, and I think he wants to come to Christ. I'm like, that is awesome, but I'm going to bed. He said, Pastor Bob, you didn't hear me. My friend wants to come to Christ. I said, that's cool, but I'm only a part-time youth pastor. And I already put in 60 hours. I said, I'm going to bed. And then he goes, Pastor Bob, it's your job. You have to come. (laughs) Now, Now I was mad. Because now, not just the senior pastor and the elders were telling me my job description as youth pastor. Now a high school 16 year old is telling me my job description. And he's a football player. A lineman. (laughs) Don't get me wrong, I'm a lineman. But I'm like, really? And I pulled out a scripture and I said, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12. To the church God gave pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. I said, if you don't know how to lead them to Christ, I didn't do my job. Good night. And I hung up on him. He was so mad, but guess what happened that Sunday morning? He walked into that service with a brand new believer by his side. That's right. And who, who led him to Christ? He did. Not the youth pastor, not the pastor, not the evangelist. People always think it's the pastor's job or the evangelist's job. Like, you know, people, do you know that most youth today don't even know who Billy Graham was? Right? They don't even know what evangelist is. And they say, well, it's not mine. Here it is. Here's the sad part. We're called for the Great Commission. Yet, that's what we're supposed to be about. Amen? But nine out of ten Christians have never led another person to Christ. Nine out of ten never led another person to Christ. But people say, well, Bob, it's not my gift. I think that's where the problem came. In the 70s, we, had, we came up with that spiritual gift test. Right? Did you ever take it to see which spiritual, which is good, see which test, which gift you had? Well, somebody said, well, Bob, I don't have the gift of evangelism. So it's not my responsibility. 
Well, guess what, Pastor? I don't have the gift of giving. I'm not going to tithe. Even though you almost forgot to pray for the offering. (laughs) No! Do we all need to give? Yes. Do we all need to share our faith? Yes. Yes. It's not just for some matter of fact. Bible teachers, elders, show me in the Bible even where evangelism was a gift. It doesn't say it. It says that the evangelist is the gift. You know what that means? I'm your gift. You may not like your gifts. <laughs> you may want to send it back to Amazon. But let me tell you this. The evangelist is the gift to equip us to share our faith. Now, if you're my age or older, you knew the responsibility. Like your grandpa had to probably talk about sharing your faith and winning the lost. And, and even if we didn't do it, we knew we were supposed to. And we felt bad that we didn't. We got to pray. The culture has changed so much. Many younger believers today feel it's wrong to share their faith. Matter of fact, 50% of millennials think it's wrong to share your faith in a way to try to convert them to yours. Do you see what's going on? We have to. Why do I still speak to junior high students? Because of the Great Commission. Is Jesus not the best thing in your life? Right? Isn't he life itself? Right, that's where we got life fest, life promotions, John 17, 3. This is life, how big your car is. This is life, how big your house is. This is life, how much money you have. This is life, how big your hat is. Okay. No, I'm sorry. This is life, to know you, the one true God. And if you really care for your own kids and for your kids and the kids to come, then that's what we got to share. Otherwise, we can't say we don't love them. But here's the point. Nine out of ten have never led somebody else Christ. Young man in the white shirt. What's your name? Uh, what is it? Man. Say it again. Man. That is a cool name. Why do I get Bob? <laughs> right? Sir, are you a believer in Jesus? Yes, sir. Cool. Otherwise, this would have been tough. <laughs> okay, I'm not asking you to win the whole world for Christ. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross, you believe that, and that he rose from the dead, and that you can have a relationship with him, and he lives not just information here, but Jesus is right here. All I'm asking you to do is live that out. Not just during the songs on Sunday, even though they're awesome. Not just at youth group in a cool building. Right? This, this church is so far ahead. Did you know they built the youth center before they built the building here? Right? The bank, we're like, what are you doing? The kids don't have, anyways, okay. But way to go. So all I'm asking you to do is don't just live it out here, but every day, talk to Jesus. And then when you're at school or with your friends or wherever you are, just live in a way that shows you have Jesus. Now, as far as you know, do you know anybody in this town or in Texas that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? <laughs> right? Right? Just read the headlines. Just live out your faith. And when see people see that you're different, how do you have hope when everything's bad? How do you have faith? And then you just say, well, give them the hope that's in you and say, it's Jesus. And then you're willing to share. It's not. It's not hard. Otherwise, I couldn't do it. My mom, before she died of cancer, said, Bob, if I had a million dollars to give you or Jesus, I'd give you Jesus. 
I said, Ma, if you had a million dollars and you gave me Jesus, you don't love me. Give me the million dollars and pray I find God too. And she looked at me and she said, Bob, if you want a million dollars more than Jesus, you don't know how awesome Jesus is. I want to show you something quick. It's this simple. It's a gift. We have a shirt, we're going to talk about this later, but it says, love big, right? Everything's bigger in Texas. Love needs to be the biggest. I want to give you this shirt, all right? Thank you. You're welcome. At first, when I, when I looked at him, when I said, what's your name? I, can't, I, I Maybe I hit read you wrong, but his eyes were like, oh, crap, the big fat guy's talking to me. <laughs> like, man, I'm in trouble now. But when I said, hey, here's a shirt, he believed and said, thank you. And he received. That's it. He took a gift, right? The Bible says in John 1.12, to as many as receive him, gave he the right to become children of God. So when they say, well, how do I become a Christian? You don't have to say, you got to do this, 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 and this. It's just a gift. It's called grace. It's called grace. It's not religion up here. It's Jesus right here. And if you do that with just one person, and then you live out your faith, and then when things get tough, you pray together. That's just talking to our best friend. And then if you don't know what to do, you open up the manual, the owner's manual called the Bible, and you find out what to do. And then you do get together and have awesome. We're thank you for the blessing this morning. And you sing worship songs together. And you live it out in community. And you go to family night and find about the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what that's called, church? Discipleship. That's what this church is all about. But now listen. If you did it with just how many? One person. And then you lived it out, praying with them, looking to the word of worship for the next six months. And then afterwards, instead of winning the whole world and trying to be a big shot for Jesus, you just did it each with one more person. And then you disciple them for six months. And then you each took one and you disciple them for six months. Guess what, church? In 18 years, less than 18 years, the whole world would be one to Christ. In 18 years. But here we are, 2,000 years since Jesus came. And this morning, in America alone, one nation under God, less than 18% of youth under the age of 18 are in church this morning. Is that okay with you? No. No. Is that acceptable? No. No. But some people say to me, well, Bob, it's not about the church. It's not about church attendance. That doesn't save you anyways. Amen. But if you do know Jesus and you are a part of the family, guess who you want to be with? The church. You want to be with, but, but let's say, we know it's not the building that saves anyways. It's Jesus. But let's go to that. Statistics are under the age of 18. Four out of five worldwide kids that are under 18 do not have a relationship with Jesus. Less than 1%, less than 1% have a biblical worldview. Church is a job done. No. No. Why do I still speak to youth? Because of the Great Commission. Because of the Great Commission. We need to reach this next group. And yet, less than 18% are in church. But let's turn to Scripture. Because whether you like what Bob says today or dislike what Bob says, it doesn't matter. 
If it's not backed up in scripture, do not listen to it. Throw it out. All right? But let's go to scripture. It's found in Luke chapter, guess what chapter? 18. Okay, it's uh, my latest book. It's called 18. Um, you can get a copy out in the lobby. I don't normally do this, but um, I'm asking you, to, each one of you, I don't know if there'll be enough left, but would you please buy a copy this morning? Here's why. My wife and I own a boat. And have you seen the price of gas? <laughs> if you... If you Steve, if you don't buy one, I won't be able to use my... I don't have an electric boat, okay? No, you know what? My wife came to me and said, Bob, let's not take one penny from any of the sales out here. Let's give it all to go back into the public schools and reach this next generation for Jesus. That's what we got to do. So I, I'm, a, I'm ashamedly asking you, go out there and buy something. We'll use all the money to move this dignity revolution into the public schools. All right? But let's go to scripture. Luke 18, 15 says this. Jesus called the children to himself. If you haven't watched The Chosen, watch The Chosen. It's being filmed right here in Texas. Man, I'm, I'm just sorry. I just was re-watching it again at that time when he's with all the little kids. Anyways, okay, so Jesus called the children to him. I'm going all over the place. I'm gonna, I got the spirit of you all over my head. <laughs> Tell me what I'm supposed to do next, okay? All right. He called the children to himself and said, Let the little children come to me. Do not hinder the, them, for the kingdom of God belongs to the elders. Is that what it says? Oh, I'm sorry. The children of God belongs to the ordained. To the paid staff. Oh, to the biggest tither. The kingdom of God belongs to the worship leader with skinny jeans. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was naughty. You know what somebody said to me? Bob, just because your, your jeans are tight, don't make them skinny jeans. <laughs> But let me tell you this. It says the kingdom of God belongs to the children. That's what it's supposed to be about. That is Jesus' word. I was at one church, and it was a little small rural church. And uh, I, I say small because I asked the pastor how many people. And they said, well, I think we had about 200 in worship this morning. 85% of churches are under 100 in the U.S. Okay, so it was actually a little bigger church. And I said, really, only 200? It looked like more than that. And the pastor looked at me and said, yeah, but we don't count the children. Oh, you what? You don't count the children. Why not? Did children matter to Jesus? Should they matter to us? Yes. I was at a bigger church. They call it a mega church. Don't get afraid of that name, right? I mean, it just means big. This is a mega shirt. <laughs> All right. So they had a, a mega church and they, they played with what they did. And I'm talking about one style being better than another, but they would play a couple songs and it released the, the kids at the children's church. And I went to one of the ladies. They said, tell me, what's the philosophy? Why do you release the children after a couple songs? And she said, so that the adults can enjoy the service. I said, oh, cool, so it's babysitting. And she said, no, it's not babysitting. It's free babysitting. Now, please hear me. I want to say on this Father's Day, is it the church's responsibility to bring your kids to Christ? 
No, it's still dad and mom. It's still you. It's still the family. Now, a good church like this one will build a youth ministry first. A good church like this will come alongside the parents to reinforce, to help you, to equip you, to empower you because it's a, it's a big responsibility. But it does matter. Kids matter. At our church, we had this guy in our church. And he was a good musician. Not as good as these people up here today, but he was good. But he wasn't playing for the church. He, he was in a bunch of cover bands. He played all over the town. He was really good. But he said, Bob, I think God's been moving on me. And I think I want to start using my gifts for the kingdom, for the church. I said, that's awesome. He said, yeah, that's what I thought. But I talked to the elders. They won't even let me play on Sunday morning on the stage. They want me to play for the children's church. He said, what an insult. He said that to the wrong guy. After I hit him, I'm just kidding. I'm a Christian. I helped him up. I said, an insult. No. What a privilege. What a responsibility. What a joy. What an opportunity. That's what we're supposed to do. But so many people see children's church or youth ministry as a stepping stone to the real. But now, God, pray for our lead pastors. Pray for them. It's a lot of responsibility. But don't tell me that those responsibilities don't matter. Right? If you're called to children or to youth, it'd be a step down to become a lead pastor. It's not a stepping stone. It is where the real ministry happens. So vacation Bible school, Sunday school, whatever it might be, step into it and be responsible. So here we are. Here's my premise. And I got, I got to go faster today, but you guys, here we are. We're going to fulfill the Great Commission. If you're willing to fulfill the Great Commission, here's what we got to do. We got to refocus on the youth. Why? Three reasons. Number one, two out of three people will come to Christ before the age of 18. Two out of three. Now, can God reach somebody anytime? Yes. But two out of three people who are believers today have come to faith before the age of 18. So what we really need to do is focus on that area again. All right? So two out of three people come to Christ before the age of... Now, Billy Graham organization says it's 85%. But Barna says even out of that, 85% of the 85% come before the age of 14. Guess what? Children's church matters. Dads being a man of God matters. Moms serving your kids matters. There's no more bigger responsibility. The second reason to focus on this youth to focus on youth to fulfill the Great Commission, the enemy is targeting that age group. Would you say that with me? The enemy is on this age group. Leviticus chapter 18. <laughs> When's the last time you did a Bible study of Leviticus? Leviticus 18.21 does say this. Do not give any of your children to be sacrificed to Molech, for by it you profane the name of the Lord your God. I know it's 2022. And I know that the media owns a narrative. But let me make something loud and clear this morning. I still believe that the word of God is the word of God. That it's still God's word. 
And there's still a right, and there's still a wrong. There's still a good, and there's still a bad. And there's still a heaven, and there's still a hell. And there's still God, and there's still Satan. We have an enemy. And according to the Bible that is God's word, when he fell, when Lucifer rebelled, he took a third of the angels with him. Do you think that the third of that angels that are now demons, do you think they're for your kids, your grandkids? They're attacking that age group. We have an enemy, and they want to do what? Kill, steal, and destroy. Will you stand in the gap? Will you say enough is enough? I'm not going to get rid of my responsibility as a father, as a mother, as a leader, as a friend. I'm going to stand in the gap with them behind me saying, not on my watch. Not on my watch. Because they need to know the love of Jesus. I, I get embarrassed moments all over, and I'll tell you some later, but just when I go into schools, I can't talk about the Bible or a Bible verse where I can't pray. So I start with embarrassing moments just to bring the, because they, they come in like this, like, go ahead and tell me what to do. So we come and make them laugh a little bit. So I collect these embarrassing moments everywhere. But I was at a camp, and this 16-year-old kid came up to me. Again, a football player, they must, because of my size, but he goes, I got an embarrassing moment. I'm like, tell, I love these. He said, mine's not funny. I'm like, well, what is it? He said, two weeks before I came to camp, I found out my parents were getting divorced. Bob, I know it happens to a lot of people, but it still hurts. And I'm a big football player, but for weeks I've just been crying. He said, but one of my friends went through the same thing was there for me. And I thought I was doing okay until two days before camp. My dad came to me and said that the reason him and mom were getting divorced, he found a new girlfriend. A younger woman he wants to start a new life with. He said, I talked to your mom and she says she can handle the girls. Your two sisters. But she doesn't think she can handle you. And he looked at his son and said, and I just want to start a new life with my new girlfriend. So we called social services. And see if we can get foster care until they're 18. He said, Bob, you know how embarrassing it is to tell your friends that your parents in court because neither of them want you? What do you tell them? Now, please hear me. If you come from a divorce situation, even if you're the victim of the divorce or if you were even the agent, there's no condemnation in Christ. Amen? Romans 8, 1, no condemnation. But with that said, if you are in that situation, don't use your kids as pawn to get back at your ex. We have to focus on the youth because the enemy is targeting that group. And it's time to stand up for them. Let's go back to Molech. Molech was a god, small g in the Old Testament. He had a body of a human, a head of a bull. You can, you can Google it. So he's like this and he's a god of fire. With the bull, I wonder if the head could maybe represent the bull like Wall Street. Even though we may be going to a bear market real quick. But I'm not a guy who says occupy Wall Street. But God forbid if us Christians ever bow down to the almighty dollar more than the Lord Jesus Christ. Money better not be our God. Money better not be our God. But if you wanted your life to go good, if you wanted prosperity, you wanted a good marriage, you wanted success in your your family, you wanted the good life now, you had to make an offering to the God 
Molech, guess what it was? Your child. So you can tell that Pastor Chris's heart's about ministry. Now it takes finances to, to do that, but he forgot to pray for the offering three times today. <laughs> you can tell what matters. It's not about earning God's love. Christianity is the only one where you don't have to appease God because you can't be good enough. That's why it's a gift called grace. That's why it's a gift called grace. But could you imagine having to come and put your child in there? You know, go down into the fire. Dads, but especially moms, could you imagine the cries, the smell? But you did it to appease this God. But you know what they would do? Because the cries were so loud, they would play the drums louder and louder to drown out the cries of the children. And people say, how could they be so evil? We would never do that. Really? Today in America, 1,800 students will attempt suicide. 18 will complete it today. That's one time I hate that stat. Since the pandemic, suicide hotline calls have gone up 800%. Two years ago, we had a record high of people overdosing in America. 67,000 ended their life by an overdose. By taking drugs this year, 107,000. And what do we do? Play the drums louder and louder. Oh, not this kind of drums. You know what our drum is? Busyness. How are you doing? Good, but I'm so busy. We don't even have time to listen anymore. We don't have time to look him in the eyes and have a meal together. We got to do the next thing again. And it's not just the world. I'm sorry it'd be so easy just to preach. Excuse me. Oh, this real professional. <laughs> but it'd be so easy to preach against the world, trying to get more. But my own daughter, growing up, Amber said to me, Daddy, why do you like speaking more than being with us? What was I supposed to say? Because they clap. Last week I got a standing ovation. If just once when I came home, you and your mom get up off that couch, stand up and applaud, I would come here more. <laughs> I didn't say that. This father had to look at his priorities. I'm asking us to look at our priorities. As a family, we will sacrifice. But even for ministry, we will not sacrifice our family. God is pro-family. God loves the family of God, and he loves our family. And it's time to refocus on youth. Youth matter. It's the greatest thing in our lives. So two reasons so far. One more. We're out of here. Number one, two out of three people come to Christ before the age of? Number two, the enemy is? And number three is this. It's the heart of Jesus. Say that with me. It's the heart of Jesus. It's the heart of Jesus. One more verse. Matthew chapter? Say it again. 18. I'm not smart enough to make that up, Chris. Matthew 18, verse 5 and 6 says this. And whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. 
Wow. But if anyone caused one of these little ones to stumble or to sin, it'd be better to have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown in the depths of the sea. Those are heavy words. And you know whose words they are? Jesus's. You know I can tell? They're in red. <laughs> right, they're in red. Texas. When you're playing Texas Hold'em, they have a term. And they go, I'm... Say it again. Those are all in words. Youth mattered to Jesus. The small mattered to Jesus. The great commissions. I did not come to be served, but to seek and to save the lost. They matter to Jesus. And if you're a believer, Christian, little Christ, like Jesus then it should matter to you. And I want to compliment this church, but I want to call you to more. I'm time saying it's time for more. If you're a business person here, businessman or woman, would you raise your hand in any way? Okay. So, sir, say if two-thirds of your business came from one area, would you neglect that group? No. You would cherish it, nourish it, develop it. If two out of three people come to Christ before the age 18, and our mission, our commission is to, to disciple people, no, two out of three will come before 18, don't you think that maybe that two-thirds of our finances should go there? Guess what? Even though that's the commission that God gave the church, and two out of three people come to Christ before the age of 18, the church in America left, spends less than 15%. On youth under 18. World missions, the whole purpose is to win the world for Christ. Two out of three will come to Christ for what age? And yet world missions, only less than 10% of their money goes to reach. If I'm stepping on some toes now, I don't apologize. Because you guys are doing a great job, but it's time to do more. I'm asking you to ask this question. Where am I giving my time? Where am I giving my talents? And where am I giving my treasures? You don't have to, you're like, Bob, I'm older than you. I can't help with the youth. My own daughter said to me, Dad, you're not cool. You never were. <laughs> so don't try to be. But she said, Dad, they don't, the youth don't need you to be cool. They just need you to love them. Anybody here too old to love? Then you're not too old to volunteer then you're not too old to give. But I'll end with this story. I was in Pennsylvania, and I was speaking to a bunch of youth pastors, and a guy in the Methodist church, you know, on this day, Juneteenth, where we celebrate the freedom that God has given in setting free the slaves. John Wesley is one of the guys who started the altar call and after he'd come up and give their life to Christ, and they'd go and sign for the freedom of the slaves and say that they would fight. They started great, but this church denomination, this church denomination kind of went like this and it plateaued. And they were having a youth ministry weekend for junior high students. The junior high students are great, but they're wild. It's like Red Bull. <laughs> all night without sleep and they had games and they had a bunch of things and they had a hundred students come from this district because the churches were all shrinking not like here where your youth ministry alone has over a hundred students on a weekend but what happened is the students wanted to get in and they were leaning against the door they wanted the front seats can you imagine that but when they did they broke the, the, the lock 
and it costed $35 to get the new lock. Today, that'd be 1035 because of inflation. <laughs> they came in, and they spilt. Some one of the kids broke the rules and brought in a Coke and spilt on the carpeting. And they had to get a carpet cleaner and come in and clean the floors. So after 15 kids gave their life to Christ, the most in that district for a long time, but afterwards, the elders got together and said, because of the broken door and because of the carpet, they couldn't have the youth lock in there the next year. Please hear me, sir. I promise when I'm in the schools in front of your students, I'll talk about respect. We'll talk about respect of, of authority and the police and property and the elders and each other and themselves. But with that said, I pray that this church has the most broken doors and the dirtiest carpet of any church in Texas. Why? Because you're putting your money where your mouth is. Do not love in word and in tongue, but in deed and in truth. I'm asking you today for two things. Number one, I'm asking you, will you give your time, your treasures, and your talents for this local church? Will you say we're going to support the youth ministry again? And we're going to give you whatever you need. We're going to keep, no matter what the bank says, we're going to keep doing it for the youth first. And continue. Will you volunteer? Will you sign up? Will you give? And then number two, and I can't believe the first time here, that Pastor Chris has allowed us to each give you one of these on the way in. And in here, we're asking you, would you stand with us? It's not for our boat, Right? It's to get more speakers in the public schools. The curriculum for the public, if you're a school teacher, go look at the curriculum out there. It's to get the curriculum out to every student. There, listen, there is 64,000 junior high and high schools in this country. We're trying to get everyone to be adopted by a local church with prayer, care, and share. And the care piece is the dignity revolution. We're asking you to take this. There's an envelope in it. You can fill it out. You can do a one-time or a monthly pledge of $35 and give this to the people back at the back today or give it to Pastor Chris. He'll get it to us. But he's allowed us to do this. So please fill this out and get back to us or mail it in. I promise you we'll use it with everything in us to reach this next generation for Christ. But then I'm going to ask you, Pastor Chris is going to come. We're going to do communion. And I'm asking you right now for a repentance to say, God, I have focused on things instead of the Great Commission. And yes, I need your death and resurrection for my own forgiveness, but I need your death and resurrection to empower me. They were filled by the Holy Spirit and they became bold witnesses. So right now, if you're here, would you bow your heads? I just... I just feel like we already prayed for our own needs. If you're saying, Bob, I am willing to give my time, my treasure, and my talent to reach this next generation in whatever situation. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now as a sign to God and to your pastor saying, I'm willing. Just raise your hand saying, use me to reach the next generation. My time, talents, treasure. Ah, awesome. All over this place. And so, Father, now as we even go to communion, I pray that you would empower us because we need to reach this next generation, the Great Commission, because two out of three are coming to Christ before 18. The enemy is targeting them, but we will stand in the gap in the name of Jesus. Lord God, and then it's your heart. May this church continue to live out their heart for the next generation. 
in Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You know, in case you're wondering, Pastor, did you know he was going to share that message? Absolutely. That's why I invited him. That's our heart. Our heart for this church is to be a next generation church. To always care for the next generation. I had planned to say something else, but I feel the Holy Spirit leading me to do this. You may be here today and you may be asking yourself, what is this whole Jesus thing all about? I want to share with you just just very plainly. Jesus is about hope. Real hope. And when I look at the world today, it's not hard to see we have some real challenges. People are losing hope and that's why we have these bleak statistics. People are getting more and more angry with one another and doing unthinkable things. And I know it's nice to say, well, I'm not sure if there's a God, because that's the new thing in the new generation. The new generation is like, I'm not sure if there's a God. Then where do you go for hope? Where do you go to really have your heart ministered to it? And to be made alive. I know for a fact there's a God. Just like I know that there is a builder to this building and an author to this book. Because when someone sees a book, you know there's an author. When someone sees a building, you know there's a builder. When someone sees a creator, you know there's a... uh, Excuse me, when someone sees a creation, you know there's a creator. We do. We do. So you may be here today going, yeah, but, but, but what does that mean? It means that God is going to have you keep an appointment with him. And you will have to give an account for the way you lived. Because life is precious. No one has to tell you life is precious. When a tragedy takes place, we're all mourning in our hearts going, how could that have happened? Why? Because we were not an accident. We're a divine creation. And we know life is precious. And so I want to share this with you before we go any further. I want you to know that you're precious and you matter to God. You say, but what if I don't believe? Whether you believe or not, you still have to meet that that appointment. And everyone will meet that appointment. The Bible says it's appointed for man to die. And then the judgment. Say, so how do you think, I want you to ask this question. How do you think you'll do on the day of judgment? When you stand face to face with God, you might say to yourself, I'm not that bad. I'm pretty good then let me just share with you the Ten Commandments. Have you ever told a lie? Anyone ever told a lie? Raise your hand if you've told a lie. Yeah, that's all of us. If you didn't raise your hand, you just lied. Go ahead and raise it now. Right? The truth is we can't count how many lies we've we've told. So let me ask you another question. Have you ever taken anything that wasn't yours? 
off the internet? Off the floor? Didn't give someone the proper change? By accident and said, well, too late now. That's called stealing. What do you call someone that steals? No, not a stealer. They're in Pittsburgh. A thief. So, so all oh, we're, we're lying thieves. Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain? Taking God's name in such a disrespectful, casual manner means that's called blasphemy. God's name is holy. Have you ever looked at a a woman or a man and lusted in your heart? Jesus said, if you do that, you've broken the commandment of adultery. You've just committed adultery. Anyone? I know I have. You say, Pastor, then, then... Everybody has, according to that standard. See, we've made God something ordinary, casual, and unimportant. God is amazing. He gave us life. He gave us everything we see. And he's given us this fabulous gift of life. And someday you will give an account. You will You will meet that appointment when you die. And just to be sure, we're, I'm talking to lying Thieving, blasphemous, adulterers. Just, we just covered four. You say, yeah, but I don't think of it as that bad. That's the problem. We've made God ordinary. And we say, yeah, but my God, my God would never do that. Because I, you have your God, I have my God. You've just broken another commandment. The Bible says don't make up a false image. Even if it's an image in your own mind. See how easy we break commandments? So what do I do then? You trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. What did God do for sinners that we might be saved? He sent his son in the likeness of fallen man, but he walked a perfect sinless life. He hung on the cross because of his love. And that's the gift that Bob just shared. It's a gift you have to receive. It's like you have to jump to meet this appointment. You're going to have to jump out of an airplane called death. And, and most of our plans, most of the world's plans is to flap our arms and hope it works out. The Bible says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put your trust in Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Say, yes, give me that parachute. I want Jesus. And just like you trust the parachute, I want you to trust Jesus today. I don't know who this is for, but it's for someone. The Lord had me share this. I was going to do a small little thing, go into communion. I said, What if someone needs the Lord and we're just going right over and telling God, thank you for your son, Jesus. But what about the person that needs Jesus? If you're here today, I want you to really think about that. That date that we will each have to. This is why the Bible says that Jesus' eyes are like fire. We tend to think of him like a broken man on a cross or a baby in a manger. He is the king of all glory, the creator of heaven and earth, the king of all power. And someday you will stand before him and he will read your life back to you, things you didn't even remember. And you can either have your faith in him and have forgiveness or you can meet him on your own righteousness, which is not righteousness at all. Today I'm asking you, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior.
Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Put your trust in him. If there's anyone here that wants to put their trust in Jesus, can I just ask you right here, right now, with every head bowed to raise your hand and say, that's it. I'm done doing it in my own strength. I want Jesus Christ. I see some hands back here. I see hands right over here. I see hands over here. Right here. Right here in front. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. You might have the appointment to keep tonight. No one knows the day of their death. Today is the day of salvation. Would you pray with me? Thank you for being patient. Father, I pray that you would move in our hearts. If there's anyone here that has not put their trust in you, that today would be the day of their salvation. That they would really consider that appointment they're going to have to keep. And I pray that today they would put their trust in Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Lord, create that miracle in them, in their hearts. Give them a heart to love righteousness, to understand your word, and to give them the hope, Lord, the hope that is made possible only by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask you to forgive us of our sins as we turn from that sin and give us a heart for righteousness and holiness. In Jesus' name, we trust you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of life. In Jesus' name. Because of you, we are free. name. Amen. Church, I love you. If you have one of those cards, you want to turn it in, you can turn it into the Connection Center. Have a great, great day.